So there's things that people definitely need to be cautious of. You need to be thinking long-term because the house might be great right now, but people do sell and buy their homes quite frequently. So you need to be looking, especially once you have children. Hi, and welcome to iloveedmontonrealestate.com. I'm your host, Jason Scott. Uh, with me today is Dave Azubko of Remax Elite in Edmonton. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. It's great being here. Excellent. So, uh, Dave, you didn't—you probably didn't grow up being uh, or dreaming of being a real estate agent. How did you become a realtor? I had the strong inkling towards real estate at a very young age. I bought and sold a couple of my own properties at a very young, early age. I have a very extensive hospitality and service background, and uh, it was at about at the age of 37, 38, I kind of decided that it was going to be a turning point or the next chapter in my life, and. Uh, I decided to start uh, pursuing that and got my uh, real estate license and took all the courses and it was at about uh, just prior to the age of 40 I uh, finally jumped in uh, head first. Okay. What were you doing in hospitality previously? I was uh, a managing partner with a huge uh, Edmonton uh, hospitality group. We had eight restaurants, 400 employees. I owned a couple of nightclubs earlier uh, in my life and I studied two years of uh, education over at the university was going to be a school teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how does the hospitality background translate over into the world of real estate? It's a great overlap. All about being able to anticipate clients' needs, read people, um, delivering on over service, uh, really going above and beyond to try and, you know, deliver uh, what some people might not be willing to do to, to go that extra mile, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, cool. Can you uh, give me uh, some like real world examples where that training has come into play? With restaurants and hospitality, I learned that, you know what, if you always take care of the customer and the clients, you put them first, that the business and the money will follow. And having that strong understanding and belief, when I got into real estate, it was certainly, you know, kind of gut-wrenching because, you know, you sometimes you're 90, 120 days before you get paid. Mm -hmm. But having that principle and understanding, knowing, you know what, I'm going to stick to the basics, I'm going to stick to the client, the service, the deliverables, uh, going above and beyond, answering my phones, doing whatever it takes to make them happy, was going to lead to a successful career, and it definitely has. Okay. Now, you one of the marketing ideas or, or pieces you use is a hashtag realtor to the rescue. Tell me about that and, and why you're using that. My fiance and I are, are huge animal advocates. Uh, we have two rescue dogs. Uh, we lost two actually, unfortunately, this year, tragically. But uh, we've just adopted two new ones from uh, from a rescue. But yeah, we uh, we take and allocate proceeds from every sale and every purchase of our home to help create awareness of some local Edmonton rescues, uh, the adopt don't shop philosophy, to create the, the awareness that people can foster animals from these rescues and bring them into their home on a temporary basis. Uh, there's no cost. And uh, it's kind of our why and why we get out of bed. And for us, it's both a very, very deep passion. So the fact that we can kind of help people buy and sell homes, but help animals find forever homes, is truly awesome. Right. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, if you look at your average family, they, they usually have a pet of some sort. What are some of the uh, challenges that people run into, whether it's buying or selling a home, when they have a pet? Condominiums are definitely an issue more so than, than homes but you know a lot of condominiums nowadays have condominium bylaws uh, that stipulate you know animals need to be approved on board approval and sometimes there's height restrictions there's age restrictions uh, you know and a client might have found the perfect property but then going through the condominium bylaws they get to kind of like the finish line it's like 
they're not going to accept our pet. Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, my, my pets are my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're going together or we're not going. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, it can be very, very challenging. Okay. Uh, like, I know, obviously, if you're a tenant, right, finding landlords who will accept pets is a challenge. From my perspective and in my experience, it's actually a, a big motivator for people to go out and buy their first home is, is to solve that problem. Is that your experience as well? You know, ironically enough, <laughs> we're having this conversation. I was with uh, a client yesterday and we were going to uh, look at her condominium and it's currently tenant occupied and uh, the tenants are to be leaving here right away. But uh, when they moved in, they only had two cats. <laughs> but when we were there yesterday, there were five. Oh. So there's a couple issues here. It's against the condominium bylaws. There could be a fine or a penalty imposed. They've obviously now breached their lease. The apartment in the condominium is gorgeous, but it does smell like a cat in a litter box. And, you know, having a beautiful property like that, you know, it's an impression when you walk in and you can smell the litter box and everything else. It's not going to stage and sell very, very well. So now she's at a crossroads because she's got to deal with the tenants. They need to be, you know, displaced. They've got to find now a home for them and their five cats. So, yeah, absolutely. How do you think that one's going to shake out? They did commit yesterday that they would be out by the end of the month. And obviously, I mean, you never want anybody to not have a place to go and everything else, and certainly not the animals. Right. It's not the animals' fault. Right. Right? There's certainly a, a huge onus. Well, there's the absolute 100% onus of, of pet responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I also don't believe five cats should live in an apartment-style condominium. Right, right. So from your client, the seller's perspective, I mean, how is she going to stage that? There could be some strong odors yep. that are pretty permanent odors, yeah. frankly. Right, so so where do you go from here on getting that house sold or that so, condo sold? Yeah, the process on getting that sold will be to have them vacated, yeah. get them into a new property. We'll go in and assess, you know, what needs to be done, whether it's you know any repairs, marks, having a professional cleaning company come in, obviously doing something from the air quality to purify it and clean it all up, because you know that that smell and that order could stay in there for a while. Yeah. yeah. How important, in your opinion, is professional staging when it comes to selling a home? And, and, you know, obviously there's different degrees of staging. So what do you advocate for your clients? Now, when you say professional staging, does that mean bringing a qualified expert in and spending $5,000 with furniture, strategic placement and art? Or does that just mean having it prepped and ready for sale? I don't know. You tell me. What do you typically do? Great question. Staging and presentation is about optics and impression. Okay. And as a potential buyer walks through your property for the first time, it's either make it or break it. So you've got one chance. And also before we even get to that, how do you capture their presence online to convince them to contact their realtor, get in their car, drive 30 minutes to come and see your property? You know what I mean? So first of all, it's all about the presentation online with proper photography, videography, ensuring that everything's in its place, that the kitchen sink isn't littered with dishes, the toilet seat's not up, you know, the laundry basket's sitting in the bedroom floor, the bed's made. A lot of people don't get that, but people do eat with their eyes. And I I could actually relate that to the restaurant business as well. It's about optics. But for me and, and for us and how we do our business, through the buyer consultation, when we go out and meet with our buyers, we'll do a walk through the property. We'll assess and itemize all the deficiencies that need to be handled. Uh, we will help them get them all done. We won't do them, but we will assist in terms of suggestions, how to do this. If we need to bring somebody in, in terms of, you know, I have a great painter that I work with that will come in and do a, a pre-listing uh, touch-ups. Okay. Come in and do baseboards, trim doors, any kind of marks and nicks. 
so it doesn't look worn and tired. So having the property, you know, decluttered, organized, all the light bulbs are placed. There's so many times you'll walk into a property and you know the lights in the front door are burnt out. Like just little things, right? So yeah, there's 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 a, a lot of things that really really have an impact on a property and how it sells. Right. Okay. Can you give me some examples of horror stories that you've had to deal with before listing a uh, a home? <laughs> well, we've been pretty fortunate. If you were to go to our website, you can see that we've we've done some really great work and we've had great, I don't know if I want to say luck, but we're selling some really nice homes that we get staged and cleaned up. But in terms of sharing an absolute horror story, I don't think we've had a horror story, but we've had stories that required a real extensive amount of work and frank, honest discussion. And the frank, honest discussion is one of, you know, a couple things. You don't ever want to offend or upset uh, your seller. You know, a lot of people will, will, will grow and have tons of emotional and sentimental value to things that they bring into their home over an extensive period of time. So it becomes very cluttered. But there's also a lot of value to that for them personally and emotionally. So it's trying to detach all of those those material items and, you know, prepping them to put them in nice rubber-made boxes, have them labeled, stored in the basement. So the place just looks, I don't know, clear and free yeah. and happy. I shouldn't say I'm comfortable having those discussions, but I know ultimately my job as a realtor is to sell their property for the highest value in the shortest amount of time. And if I don't have that discussion with them, we're not going to get that result. Yeah, I mean, you may as well have the upfront conversation, yeah. right? So, okay. Are there any uh, uh, awards or recognitions that you've received? Yeah, you know what, actually, as a, as a new guy on the block, well, not new, but uh, a couple years into the business, I've received a few through Remax. I was Remax Elite's Rookie of the Year. It's hard to say, you know, when you're 40 years old, Rookie of the Year, but that's all right. Uh, last year through Remax, I got the Remax's Rising Star Award, which I was very proud about. I also received the number 13 agent out of our Remax Elite brokerage, and there's 240 agents working out of our offices. For me, that was really, really awesome because as I entered into this space, I would see the people's names on lists on, on these awards, and there's some real big heavy hitters out there that I truly, truly looked up to. And to see myself kind of constantly on there, it was great. This year so far, I've been number six, number five, number seven, number 15. But again, you know what, for me, it's about taking care of the client and the fact that we can kind of get that recognition, that's great. Yeah. Oh, and I should also mention last year, I was uh, placed in the top 5% of all uh, Edmonton real estate realtors. Yeah. So, you know, on the board of 3,000, 3,500 realtors, that's like one of 175 or 150. Yeah. So was there a, a precise moment that you can remember where, you know, sort of the, the penny dropped and you were like, you know what, real estate actually really is for me? There were a couple moments. So... One thing that I loved about restaurants and hospitality was taking care of people, going the extra mile and making them happy. And, you know, seeing them leave on a Friday, Saturday night, getting a high five or a text the next morning saying, hey, Dave, our anniversary dinner was spectacular. Thank you so much. Like it's, it's a really it's a real high for me. And learning that I could do that independently and autonomously, autonomously for myself, because with restaurants, it was hard because it was myself and 400 other people that I was reliant on to deliver that experience. Now it's myself, my business partner, uh, a core group of people that we work with in terms of strategic partners, and I have absolute faith and confidence on our ability to deliver. So I was no longer reliant on a bunch of people. I had more independence, and it was funny. I sold my first house. It was uh, 
January, my fiance and I, we were in Las Vegas. We were on uh, Fremont Street and I negotiated my first uh, multiple offers and we sold the house and I was like, this is absolutely amazing. We're on Fremont Street, took a time out, you know, was working on this for an hour and a bit. I was like, holy mokes, you know, we, just, we, we got this done and I didn't have to physically be there. Like the one thing that I love about this business is there's many things is that you can work remotely from other destinations and other places and still ensure that you're able to deliver the required results as long as you're accessible. What's the best real estate advice you ever received, either before you were a realtor or now that you're in the business? I got to tell you truthfully, I don't know if there's been one thing. I've been very, very fortunate through our brokerage and our office, Remax Elite. They host uh, these mastermind sessions put on by some really great people. Uh, Jeremy Amouette, Will Hickey, Paul Blay, Ron Dixon, like very, very experienced realtors. And we host these mastermind groups once a month. And uh, just the information sharing amongst agents on how to better service your clients to become more efficient is truly, truly invaluable. And the fact that we're so open and sharing with that information, because ultimately the goal is to better service your clients. And the fact that we're able to deliver that and work together cooperatively is really awesome. So it's kind of mid-summer 2017 right now. It is. It is, it's <laughs> lovely out there. Yeah. What are you seeing going on in Edmonton's housing market? It's very active. Unit sales are up uh, year over year. Myself, personally, I've had uh, a great start to the year, a great half of the year, and looking to kind of further expand that. You know, there's definitely been, there's definitely been markets that are a little bit difficult to work in, but there's also a lot of great areas and hotspots that are thriving, and you're seeing tons of volume, lots of activity, prices are up. So, you know, there's certainly a balance of everything. Mm-hmm. What sort of, what parts of town are quote-unquote hotspots right now? Oh, these infill areas, Ritchie, King Edward Park, Forest Heights, Holyrood, Bonnie Dune, Glenora, West Mountain, North Glenora, like everybody wants to get in there, you know. Ourselves, personally, we've sold, geez, we sold a house in Bonnie Dune this year that had been previously listed uh, with another realtor twice. We sold it in two days for $10,000 over asking. Uh, we listed a property in Ritchie and went into multiple offers and we sold it for, I think, 10 or 12K over asking in less than a week. And, you know, it's it's those areas, if you, if you kind of market yourself accordingly with, and with the, with the right pricing strategy, man, you can hit it out of the park. Yeah, so uh, so much for it being a uh, buyer's market then and, and listings lagging. Yeah, well, buyer's market definitely in certain communities. Yeah. But there's these hot spots, these sweet spots, yeah. where it's like you're going into there. Like this last property that we put for sale, we put it for sale on Wednesday. And we priced it, rated a mark that was going to draw and attract a lot of attention. Prior to listing it, I had a meeting with my seller and I said, um, we're not going to take any offers till Saturday. It was tenant occupied, so we couldn't get any, any, any showings on Sunday due to tenant rules and regulations. So we, 20 showings in there prior to, and then Sunday we sat down and had all the offers and we just went through them. And <laughs> it was done and sold. Yeah. And he was ecstatic with the results. Very good. Yeah. So how did you market that property differently? Because that was one where there had been previous realtors on it. That one wasn't. Oh, okay. But I can I can speak on that one. Okay. The property that had the other realtors on it, this was an infill property. And there were certain components to that highlight sheet or, or you know, description that had kind of 
didn't showcase the opportunity in terms of the lot size, the location, infill opportunity to really portray that, right? So buyers and agents, when they're doing a search, will, will fill in quite a bit of criteria to actually find out what they're looking for. And if you don't put in, a, in that information, it gets skipped. It, it doesn't get into the hands of the right people. So knowing that information and ensuring that it's filled out properly makes a world of a difference. So can you give me an example? Yeah, the lot dimensions. On these properties that are, that are selling in these neighborhoods for $300,000, if you're not putting in the lot size, like 50 by 130 or whatever it is, it's, it's missed. Yeah. yeah. So Dave, if you look at, say, your last 10 sales, either on the buying or selling side, what sort of themes or issues have you run into? Well, I can speak to one right now regarding real property reports. You know, we've got a property that was sold and uh, it was subject to the sellers providing a, a current and compliant real property report. Right, and a real property report, just so everyone knows, is sort of like a little drawing or map of the property, shows where the property lines are, where the buildings are, etc. Yeah. Okay. So we got that back and there was, you know, stuff on there was non-conforming, there was some easement agreements in place, and now... The lawyers are sitting with this thing, trying to debate back and forth on what to do. And I can't speak on the legality of these things. That's not my profession. My profession was to leave it with the lawyers to make sure that, you know, my buyers in this situation are dealt the best hand and they can make the best decision. So if they decide the property to buy the property, then at least they know what they're in for. But if there's going to be a certain amount of risk down the road when they go to resell it, then I don't want them to do that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we'll find them another house. Yeah. 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 Why walk into a problem? Yeah. What about on the financing side of things, which of course is my specialty, but what, what sort of uh, roadblocks or issues are you running into there? Well, I can tell you another story personally. <laughs> yeah. I had uh, a great duplex listed in the West End and uh, we priced it very well to sell. And we had two deals go pending on it that both fell through to financing. And the financing on this, my belief would be that the agent who was bringing in the buyers didn't have them properly pre-approved. You know, they didn't take them into a mortgage specialist, a mortgage broker. They didn't go through the application process and providing the documents. I mean, it's easy to probably just walk into, you know, bank ABC, see Johnny or Susie at the front door. You tell them you make $75,000 a year. You got no credit debt, no car. Okay, you're approved for $350,000. But we all know when the time comes and you need to start providing employment verification and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Dave, sorry, uh, you know my client get, can't get financing. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know what? It's very disheartening for a seller. And this this happened two times on the same property. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so Dave, you talked about some hot spots in the market. You know, mature neighborhoods, etc. What are some of the flip side of that coin? What what areas are uh, experiencing softness right now? From a housing standpoint, definitely um, some of the outskirts uh, areas of the city, Leduc, for instance. Uh, we've had a couple properties for sale in Leduc, and uh, it took a very, very extensive period of time to sell those properties just on the lack of activity and uh, the abundance of inventory. So, you know, you're looking at uh, in certain communities and markets where you've got 18 properties for sale and three have been sold in the last 90 days. Well, you're looking at, at, at 18 months to sell those houses given the current absorption rate. It's a ton. Mm -hmm. You know, other examples would be these big condominium complexes that open up and you know you got a couple hundred units they're all cookie cut apartment style they're all the same 
people have bought in uh, years ago and now they're kind of growing out of them and want to sell. But the problem is there's 15 other condominiums exactly the same for sale in the building and there's only so many buyers. So in that situation, it all comes down to pricing and staging. You know, well, why should I buy unit 201 when 202 is $5,000 less? And it really comes down to who's more motivated as the seller. Right. It's a really tough situation for people to be in. So, you know, when I'm working with my buyers, I try and say, you know what, this property's great now, but what's it going to be like in five to seven years as you grow to a family and you're looking at, you know, your next intermediate home? What are we going to do with this? What's the market going to look like? And there's no way to predict this situation, but there's still lots of lots of condominium development going on out there. So there's things that people definitely need to be cautious of. You need to be thinking long term because the house might be great right now, but people do sell and buy their homes quite frequently. So you need to be looking, especially once you have children. Mm-hmm. Are there types of clients, so demographics where condos are just, you know, obviously a family, it's not an appropriate product, right? But are there other groups of people who maybe they should be steering clear of condos or maybe the flip side is they should be going to condos based on where they are in their stage of life? I can speak on that because my fiance and I live in a condo and we lived in that condo for eight years. And for us, it's been a lifestyle. It's in Cloverdale, right in the ravine. We've had pets, dogs, and we've been able to take them through the walking trails. I work downtown. I can walk to downtown. I can walk to my office here in Forest Heights. And I absolutely love it. However, we're now at that point where we're gonna grow out of this. It's a beautiful condo, but we're gonna have some children. I think we are anyways, we're talking about it. <laughs> and you know, and we want our dogs also now to have a backyard. So we're gonna be going from our condominium to a nice newer infield property in, in one of the areas that I discussed you with, Yeah, for sure. Is there an argument to be made, let's say you're a first time buyer, you skip the first time condo home and you stretch to buy a, you know, a forever home sooner because I've seen cl- uh, some of my clients do that in the past yeah obviously it's not our place to say yeah you, you know you're making a mistake or yeah you're making the wise decision what just what's your perspective on the decision of that if you're going to be choosing a condominium in your forever home I think there's a, a big difference or gap in your financial commitments mm-hmm. you know it's one thing to get into your dream property but are you actually going to be able to, to live in it and enjoy it and being cash poor having zero cash flow to support you, your lifestyle, your family, and everything's going strictly to the bills, causes a huge amount of financial strain on families and relationships. So I always encourage people, you know, you might be pre-approved for 500 or 400, but it doesn't mean we need to spend that. We can look at options, you know, 330 to 400, and I want you to kind of take a look at both and, you know, let's let's look at both. Let's equate to what those mortgage payments are going to be. Yeah. And what does that leave you with, with disposable income? Is that important? Do you have a family vacation you want to do in the next couple of years? You know, because the cost of everything just keeps going up. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see, at least for now, a slight increase in mortgage rates. So, you know, your cost of borrowing will increase. Property taxes never go down. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is one of those things where, you know, personally, I do caution clients uh, not to overextend. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right about, you know, you get into financial stress, it will have a ripple effect on your relationships, etc. So, Dave, let's say you had a family member. They're across the country. They're looking at buying a place. Obviously, you don't know the market and it's impractical for you to be flying in to help them buy a house. You're not even licensed in the other province, right? How would you advise them in terms of selecting a realtor? What sort of traits should they be looking for when there's so many options to choose from? That's an awesome question. I would advise them and help them 
whether it be a family member or a friend or anybody that's relocating to Edmonton, to Calgary, to Toronto. Thankfully for the internet nowadays, you know, you can find out a lot about people. And uh, the interview or the selection process of a realtor is really, really important when you're dealing with somebody who's going to trade and you're probably your most expensive purchase or sale in your lifetime. You want to train professional with you that is highly skilled with negotiation, marketing, service, knowledge of the community, and delivers results. Uh, I challenge anybody out there that's looking for a realtor to ask them on their statistics, how many houses did you sell last year? How many days on market were you on average compared to the to the real estate board average? Uh, what percentage of sale to list price were you at compared to the average? You know I mean, there's there's so many statistics out there that are that are available, but I would challenge anybody to actually to know those. And then the statistics are one thing, accreditations for sure in terms of actual formal education that is offered by you know the local real estate board. And there's tons of courses out there that are available. I would find somebody that's definitely passionate about what they do. Because uh, you got to love what you do in this business because the hours, they're not 9 to 5. You know, you're up early mornings negotiating offers at 10, 11 o'clock. Like, it's a relentless business. It's awesome. But it takes a unique soul to truly be great at this position. I would also find somebody who uh, who works within the community that's got a great reputation. Uh, you know what? People that, that work hard, that are established, but can kind of give back to the well-good of the community, whether it be local rescues or you know the food bank or somebody that's entrenched i think also shows a lot about their character yeah i would and i would definitely definitely look for reviews and i would get some references right absolutely how, how do you go about finding the sales statistics for individual agents and verifying that through the edmonton real estate board here we can pull our statistics and, and can present those oh so if i was the client i would say to you hey dave if i'm looking at hiring you show yep. me what you've done totally Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. So. Yeah, but, um, but you know what? It's funny that you didn't know that. Nope. A lot of realtors don't know their statistics. Well, it's like, you know, an athlete, and I'm not saying I'm an athlete because I'm definitely not an athlete, <laughs> but there's a lot of metrics in this business that show sure. your performance. Yeah. KPIs, right? So I can tell you my days on market. I can tell you the percentage of our property sold. Uh, you know, I can tell you our percentage of sale to list price. But if you are interviewing three realtors and say this was a listing appointment, yeah. I bet the other two guys... Our gals, teams, there's a very, very good chance they don't know their numbers. Okay, so find out. Make sure you ask. Okay. Dave, it's almost time to wrap up. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to mention? We've touched on a lot of great things here this afternoon. Uh, I think what I would like to close on is that it's great to find yourself in a position in a place where you actually truly love and enjoy what you do. Uh, the business does come with an extensive amount of challenges and it's not an easy job, it's not meant for everybody. But uh, for myself personally, the ability to over-service our clients, deliver great results, have fun. And I should have said earlier, one thing that I really pride myself on when working with people is to make the process and the experience easy, stress-free and fun. I'm a fun guy and that I can make a good living, I can have fun and we can work within the community and help support the rescues, animals. It's fantastic, we just love what we do. Super. Dave, thanks a lot for uh, being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my absolute pleasure.